Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. So let me just do a little bit of review. If you guys don't mind, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to force myself to teach a little bit tonight. Sometimes when I'm not sitting, I'm more prone to preach. But um, actually, let me just kind of get off to the side here. If you would, please turn to Galatians chapter 5. And I want you to notice here in verse 6, amazing revelation Paul gives us by the Spirit. He says, In Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything, nor uncircumcision. I don't know if you can get that a little bit bigger up there. Um, There we go. Thank you. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision. But what does avail? What what does make a difference? What, What is the big deal? Faith, which works by love. Now think about this here. You can receive anything from God by faith. You can receive absolutely healing, deliverance, wisdom, strength. But if faith only works by love, then we better talk about love too. Our faith for healing won't work right. Our faith for wisdom won't work right. Our faith for strength won't work right. So I wanted to go to that scripture again at the beginning here because no matter how much faith we have, no matter how much we know God you know, has for us, if, we're, if our faith's not working, we're not going to be able to receive. It doesn't mean he doesn't want us to have it. It just means our receiver is not going to work good if love is not where it's supposed to be in our life. And so I, I think it was two Wednesdays ago, maybe it was three Wednesdays ago, three Wednesdays, we, we said, okay, love is the answer, but what's the question? Right? right? What, if love is the answer, what, what's the question? And a couple of the questions I wanted to write down here, um, a lot of people have this question, how can I be happy again? Or how can I be happy, period? Well, there's scriptures even Jesus talked about, if you do these things, happy are you. And he was talking about walking in love primarily. So really, you're going to be happy not because of what people do to you. You're going to be happy because of what you do for other people. Happiness is not about what others do for you, Jesus said. Happiness is about what you do for others. And the coolest thing about that is you don't have to wait for somebody to make you happy. Oh, come on, guys, that's amazing. You don't have to wait for somebody to come knocking at your door, giving you a gift or giving you an invitation to a lunch or inviting you to this. People think, well, that, I'll be happy if somebody would just, you know, like me and take me to lunch or show interest in me. No, 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 no. Jesus said it's the opposite. He said you're happy if you do the things in this area of walking and love that actually bless other people at your expense. Praise the Lord. So we can break this love is the answer down into two parts. I'll read a couple more questions here in a minute. Two parts. When we're talking about love is the answer, we're talking about knowing more that God loves you and loving others higher and higher in a greater and greater way. Wrapped up in those two parts is so many answers to so many questions, so many solutions to so many problems. 
I, I know Brother Hagin talks in his book, uh, Love the Way to Victory. He said he was praying for people more than once who had uh, terminal illnesses, cancer, one of them I know it was. And he prayed for him. And Brother Hagin was anointed to the Lord to minister healing, powerful healing anointing. I think Oral Roberts prayed for some of these people. Other evangelists prayed for these people. And they're not getting anywhere. They're not getting any healing. And, and they know it's God's will, but for some reason there's, there's a receiving not going on here. And um, a couple of these people realized after they heard teachings on love, they realized, oh, you know what? I need to forgive somebody. I have been holding ill will. I've been holding unforgiveness. I've been holding animosity against some people. And when they truly let that go, they were e immediately healed of their terminal disease. All the prayer didn't fix it. The best evangelist praying for them didn't fix it. But when they decided to forgive, they were healed of terminal diseases that the healing just showed up. That's powerful. And so he wrote a whole book on love is the way to victory. And one, one of the chapters is about how victory, uh, excuse me, uh, living in divine health has a lot to do with walking in love and not holding ill will, animosity, or wrong feeling toward people. Um, I don't need to ask for a show of hands, but has anybody had anybody do them wrong in life? <laughs> Can I ask another question? Is there anybody that's done some wrong to others and hurt others? We probably could all raise our hands to both of those. Aren't you glad that God is love and he operates according to 1 Corinthians 13 toward us all the time? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not selfish. Love believes the best of every person, right? Love doesn't keep record of wrongs. See, we, we read that in light of how we're supposed to live. He's been acting like that toward us all along. <laughs> and, and I know a lot of people, they're getting, they're, getting, they're getting God's voice mixed up with the devil's voice. The devil's coming to a lot of people and telling them some junk and saying, this is God, blah, 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 blah. And people that don't know the scriptures, they fall for it. Everything supernatural is not God. Yeah, but pastor, it was a supernatural thing. It was a supernatural voice. It was a supernatural vision. Well, the devil operates in that realm. Just because it's supernatural doesn't mean it's God. The devil operates in that realm. And he'll at times give people sensations and feelings and do something spiritual. Oh, I had a spiritual experience. Well, it doesn't mean it was God. <laughs> That's why you need to be going to church, praying and reading your Bible so you can discern between is it God or is it the devil? Is it the Holy Spirit or is it a wrong spirit? Because the Bible says Satan has come, he comes disguised as an angel of light to try to deceive God's people. And in this area of walking in love, I mean, he, he'll tell you, he'll say, you know what? This sickness that you prayed to be healed of, you know, you're not healed, are you? You're not healed, are you? The prayer didn't work. Well, that's because God has some reason in you staying sick. Now, if you're equipped with the Word of God, what would you say to that thought? You'd say, devil, shut up. Right? We talked about that on Sunday morning, right? Those are three the words you're going to have to say in these end times more and more. Devil, shut up. I'm going to make it. Devil, shut up. God loves me. Devil, shut up. By his stripes I was healed. Devil, shut up. My God supplies all my need. Right? Devil, shut up. It's not about perfection. It's about mercy and grace. Devil, shut up. And a lot of times the devil will come to you and say, you know, God has some purpose in you being sick. And if you don't know the Bible, you'll go, oh, I think the Lord just spoke to me. Maybe, he, I mean, I prayed and didn't get healed. It must be God wants me sick for some reason. Read your Bible, people. 
Go to church. You'll find out that is not true. Jesus is not going to bear your sicknesses and diseases through the stripes and the whipping and then want you to No. You may learn during a sickness, but that's not God's way of teaching. That's just man's way of learning. If, you, if we wait till all hell breaks loose before we decide to learn, that's our way of learning, not God's way of teaching. And you have to learn to resist the devil. A lot of people, they're praying and praying and praying when they should be saying and saying and saying something to the enemy coming against them. We believe in prayer, but there's a time you need to just say, you know what, I'm done praying, devil, get off my case. Use your authority that Jesus gave you. Put your foot down and say, I stand against this. I resist this. And if we don't do that, isn't it interesting to think that, okay, we're told time and time and time again, I can think of three scriptures right now in the New Testament, to stand against, to, to resist the devil. And the Bible says, if we do that, he will flee from us. Right? Submit yourself, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Isn't it interesting how the devil's got so many people deceived into thinking that he doesn't exist? I mean, you're not going to resist what you think doesn't exist. So one of his number one MOs, mode of operandi, mode of operation is, there's no devil. Who's saying that? The devil. <laughs> there's no demons. Who's saying that? Demons. Why? Because if you identify them as real, and if you believe the Bible, you've got to believe these things. Jesus talked about the devil, dealt with the devil, dealt with demons, New Testament, all over. And if, he's, if he can convince people he's not real, then the people aren't going to do the admonition in the scriptures, stand against, resist steadfast in the faith. Stand, withstand in the evil day. Stand against, resist, stand against. Give no place to the devil. People aren't going to even do that if they think he doesn't exist. So a number one lie of the devil is there's no devil. Okay. This is really fun tonight. So um, let me read a couple things here because I was going to do some reading off my notes tonight because there's some things I've already said in these teachings that I sense the Holy Spirit said, slow down, teach them, give the people a little time to chew on them before you put something else in their mouth. Okay. I don't want to spoon feed everybody too much here, but... Um, so the two parts of this whole series, Love is the Answer, is how much God loves us, growing and knowing how much He loves us, and growing in love for other people. And so let me just say, I said, one of the questions is, well, um, how, how can I be happy? How can I be happy again? Well, growing and knowing how much the Lord loves you and growing in love for others will unlock a ton of supernatural help to, come, to be received into your life. Some people have the question, how can I know my purpose in life. Well, the more you know how much God loves you and the more you start walking in love toward others, you're going to know more and more and more. Well, I'm here to love God and love people. And of course, there'll be things attached to that as well. Some people say, I, I just, how can I be free from fear? I mean, that's a good question. Anybody ever asked that question? Lord, how can I get free from this fear? I don't want this fear anymore. I don't want this fear of flying. I don't want this fear of dying. I don't want this fear of heights. I don't want this fear of grasshoppers. <laughs> How can I get free from this fear? Well, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. I know me and even my daughter, we, we had some battles in fear. I, when I was young, she had some when she was young. And one of the main ways we overcame fear was to realize that it might not just be a fear problem. It might be a I need to develop in love issue because perfect love casts out fear. I mean, it seems like most all fear is based on 
I'm scared of something happening to me. Well, what if your mind's not on me? There's not much to be afraid of, is there? <laughs> Come on, if your mind's not on you, there's not much to be afraid of. And everybody has to deal with fear. Don't get me wrong. I mean, David said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. He got to a place in his life he was free from all his fears. And you can see it in that warrior's life. I mean, it's just his Psalms bring it out. And so uh, a little bit of review here. So the last couple of weeks we talked about when, when it comes to tough situations with people and you feel like punching, don't tell me you never feel like punching you, sanctified Christian you. Look, come on. How many of you ever feel like chewing somebody out? Slapping. You can raise your hand right now. It's okay. I've got mine up. How many of you ever feel like just taking up a rock and throwing it at somebody? <laughs> Suing somebody. Anybody? Well, if you did, it's because you're alive and you're real and you've got flesh and there's a devil and there's temptations. But the, the thing about it is this. It's like we talked about when it comes to those situations where you're tempted to slap someone, you're tempted to retaliate with words, you're tempted to be mean, you're tempted to share your peace of mind. Here's the thing you need to realize. We talked about this. Learn and develop into let love work it out. Let love work it out. Now when we're saying let love work it out, what's another way we could say that? Let God work it out. God is love. Right? God is love. So when we're saying let love work it out, if we'll take the love route, you know, which might mean us losing something that we have a right to hold on to. Hmm? If we'll go the love route and instead of lie and get the million dollar deal, we're going to tell the truth and get nothing. If we let love work it out, let the other person have what really belonged to you because they're demanding it or how many of you know if we do that, we're going to lose something in the process of seeing that somebody else doesn't lose what we really wanted to keep. At times like that, and this is one of the greatest things I believe the Lord wanted me to say. The greatest blessings will come to you and me after we're tempted to violate love severely and we don't. And sometimes you think the people that scream the loudest are the strongest. No, actually the people that refrain from screaming when they feel like it, they're the strongest. It doesn't take much strength to get things off your chest. It takes a lot of strength to hold it. Don't release it. You know it'll do damage. You know it'll be an act of selfishness. The Bible says if you want to love life and see good days, you've got to refrain your tongue from evil and your lips that they speak no guile. You've got to say, when you feel like saying... And you're steaming. You got you to say, whoa, Nelly Belly, and pull back on the reins and restrain, refrain your tongue from evil and your lips that they speak no guile. It's not easy. And really, we did a whole teaching on growing up spiritually. And we found out that one of the marks of a spiritual baby or a spiritual adolescent or a child 
is they say what they feel. They say what's on their mind, no matter if it's going to hurt somebody or not. Have you ever heard people say this? Have you ever said this? No show of hands again. Um, have you ever said or heard somebody say, well, I just, I'm just going to be real. I'm going to say it like it is. I'm just going to be real. I'm just going to say it like it is. I'm just going to be real. Well, hold it. Check. What is what you're about to say going to do to the people that are listening? Is it going to build them up? Is it going to bring grace on the scene? Is it going to, even if it's truth and even if it's a little bit sharp, how you say things has a lot to do with violating love or not. And a lot of times it's just, you just don't say it. Husbands and wives, how many times have you been in a disagreement? Way down inside, something said, don't say it. Don't say it. But it's true. Don't say it. But I have a right to it. Have you ever had that thing? What's that way down inside? That's that still small voice. That's the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your spirit saying, this is not the right time to say that. And matter of fact, you might never need to say that. And um, you don't say it. And so when you don't, when you don't say it, you're showing that you're growing up spiritually. You're showing that you're going from babyhood to childhood and childhood to manhood. A lot of spiritual maturity is seen under pressure. When the pressure comes, it's like what's, what's, when, when you're squeezed, what's in comes out. And if immaturity is on the inside of you, immaturity is going to come out. Right? If, if maturity is on the inside of you, maturity is going to come out. And, and so I've heard people say, you know, and I've said it, I'm sure at times, well, I just, you know, I just, you know, I just believe in being real. And then boom, they just start violating love left and right, spewing out all this junk. It might be true, but it's not lovely. It's not pure. It's not of good report. And so they just say it anyway. And they say, well, I just believe in being real. Well, a while back, I found in the book of Proverbs where it says, a fool utters all his mind but a wise man keeps it till afterwards. One translation says, a fool vents all his feelings. So I wonder, I thought, you know what? In one sense, they're right. They're being real, real foolish. <laughs> they're being real, all right, but it's real foolish. And I've been there. I, I, I said, I've been there. I'm sure I've said stupid things like this more than once. But um, saying everything you feel like can be a violation of love. And it can mess with your faith. It can hinder you from being healed. How many of you are glad that if we mess up in all these areas I'm talking about today and you're like, the, you know, saying, man, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. How many of you are glad that you can repent? <laughs> and you can say, Lord, you know what? I just saw some things tonight that <laughs> I need to admit to you that I, I was wrong in that. I, I spoke wrong to those people. Brother Hagen brings out in his book, Love the Way to Victory, that a lot of ill health is connected to people saying things they shouldn't say about other people. And he's, we're talking a man in the ministry for 60 plus years, seasoned, you know, I mean, just tremendous fruit in his ministry. And to hear somebody like that say that, I'm thinking like, wow. So we got to teach on more than faith, huh? <laughs> yeah, we better teach on what faith works by. Faith works by love. I don't, I know in my heart, because I'm born again, and you'd know this too, I know in my heart when I've said something to someone that was a violation of love. And I don't know about you, but in my heart, 
I can't do much more in ministry, life, or, or anything until I get that straight. If I hurt someone with my words and I was uh, mean or wrathful or angry or just defensive or whatever, after that, it's like, I just, I'm uncomfortable. There's something on the inside. It's almost like the Lord's just like, I'm not going to let you go on this. I love you too much to let this unrepented violation of love go out into your future and mess up your health. There's been times, I remember one time I had a meeting with somebody in my office here. And this person was a little upset about some things. And this person was talking to me about some things. And, and this person brought out some things that they thought I should have done about this situation. And they said, I think you should have done this. And I think you should have done that. I think you should have done this. And I'm like, and I kind of jumped up and said, well, you know what? I'm about, and I just kind of said what I thought. I said, basically saying, well, you know, I, I don't really care what you say right now. We did, we did what we thought we were supposed to do. And, and I'm sorry if you were, didn't like it, but, you know, no. And I was a little bit rude about it. Didn't like raise my voice. I was a little rude about it. And the meeting was over and he left. And I'm sitting there in my office and I'm like, how come I feel this way, Lord? Why, why, why does it seem like I can't go on with you right now? And I'm kind of at a stalled out place. It's like, I just read the Bible, nothing. Thank you, Jesus, nothing. It's like, not even listening. It's like, Lord, what's... And I knew what it was all along. He said, you, you said something to that person out of defensiveness. You said something to that person out of meanness. And you said something to that person that you shouldn't have said. You could have been a lot more loving, son, because you know more than that. And you know better than that. See, when you know better and don't do the better, that's when you got to repent. When you don't know, that's different. But when you know better and you just flat out go against it, you're going to have to go, Lord, I sinned. Can we practice those words real quick? Say this, Lord, Lord. I sinned. I sinned. <laughs> Try this. I, I was. I was. I was. I was. Come on. Try, I, I was. I was wrong. I was wrong. Oh, you're getting somewhere with God. And so anyway, so I'm sitting there and I'm, the Lord said, you blew it. I'm not going to talk to you much about great, your great dreams and I'm not going to talk to you much about your future and the next sermon you got to preach. And he said, you need to call that guy up, call him back in the office ASAP and you need to apologize to him and you need to tell him that, you know what, those are some good ideas and we're actually going to consider those ideas if this ever happens again. We're going to consider those things and that's some great advice and I'll talk to the board about it or whatever it was. And I called him back. I think he came in with 24 hours and, that, and I don't know what he knew. He probably thought I was going to chew him out or something. But I called him in and I said, listen, I just want you to know I'm sorry. The talk we had a few hours ago, um, I responded defensively. Um, you're, actu you're actually right. You had some great ideas there. And I received that, brother. And the meeting was over. After we said a few more things, the meeting was over. I was free. I was free. I was free. David talks about... My bones waxed old in me. My moisture is dried up. Your hand was heavy upon me. And then I confessed my transgressions unto the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. It's like God will deal with you about something that he knows is not good for your future. And because he loves you so much, he's going to keep dealing with you about it. And so it's uncomfortable. But man, it's just and this. This happened more than once. I have I have had to apologize to people a dozen plus or more times that I can even think of in this area right here of saying something I knew I shouldn't have said, being mean, being selfish, being defensive. 
I knew. And I just thank God for the sensitivity to that. If, if you haven't sensed that, you know, um, and I don't, I'm not going to say practice this. You know, go mean to somebody and see how you feel. <laughs> go be mean to them. No, just if it happens, if it happens again, just check down here. If there's something uncomfortable, get it right. Because you can become callous to that. You can actually push it away and God will stop dealing with you about it. If you really resist it, he will leave you alone. But you don't want him to leave you alone. You want him to keep reminding you, you need to get this right. You need to get this right. Oh, I just, there's nothing like being free. I hate violations of love. I hate them. I don't like what they do to my insides. It's like it stops everything. Um, turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. Um, and as you're turning there, so let, let me say this, guys. Um, the greatest blessings will come to us right after we're tempted to violate love. You know, right, right after one of the worst awful times of our life. <laughs> you're going to have to remember this because you're not going to believe this is true. Or you're not going to feel like this is true. You're going to have to believe it's true. But when you're in the midst of a hairy situation and you're in the midst of a war or uh, just anger or a debate or whatever, just know it may feel like a very terrible time, but it's actually an opportunity for God to reward you for, for, not, for not violating love. If you don't violate love. And I was thinking about two things in our life. Do you mind if I give you two, a little personal testimony here still? So the greatest blessings come right after you're tempted to violate love and you don't. We were, um, Carl and I in the church years ago, um, we anonymously one time gave a sum of money to some people who were not being very nice to us. Um, it was actually, um, we, we were, there was some not fair things going on uh, and some compliance with what uh, some people contracted to do for us on a multi-million dollar project. And um, it was not looking good. It was um, pretty bad. We had to call some experts in and some people and get some advice. And um, they all agreed, you know, that there's some problems here and you might want to do something about this. And, um, and uh, things weren't looking good. And, you know, we're, we're a church. We don't just have all the savings. We could do all this. And so it looked like, you know, we were going to be um, in some trouble in this project. And so we decided, you know what, let's just, just, let's just put some money in an envelope, send it to them anonymously. I'm sure the last people they thought would probably be us because of you know, the, what was going on. But we just decided, let's, let's break this thing, Carl. Let's just break this thing. We sent that money and just forgot about it. And purpose just to think well and do right as much as we could. And I'm not saying we're perfect in this, but we purpose to, to stay in love and not push. You know, let, let love work it out. And uh, not too long after that, um, we were able to save and not have to come up with $220,000 that we owed. It was really cool. And when I think back to that, I'm thinking, you know what? We were tempted to send them a different kind of letter. <laughs> but we decided to send them a money letter <laughs> saying, have some fun, have a night on the town, Anonymous, you know, and um, I really believe the Lord brought this back to my thoughts as I was thinking about personal testimony in this area about the greatest blessings come to you right after you're tempted to violate love and you don't. And you do something in love instead of you violate love. You do something in love. 
And uh, we, we saw a 220-some thousand dollar blessing come to us because of that. And oh, happy day. <laughs> it was really, really cool because we really needed that big time. Um, another thing, you know, th this has happened a couple times. Um, this was years ago. This was probably more than a decade ago where uh, uh, a couple in our church who we were, you know, raising up and wanting to help them to maybe even start another church for us in, a, in, a, in, a, in another city. Um, and um, just grooming them up. Great, wonderful people. Still are to this day. Love them tremendously. Um, but they decided that they didn't want that. They decided just to leave the church, start another church in Grand Junction, took some of our members. And, um, you know, and, and when, when I say took, um, we, we didn't fight for them. We, we just felt like, you know what, we, they're ultimately the Lord's sheep. And if he wants them somewhere else, that's his thing. If he wants them back here, he'll, he'll take care of that. And uh, they started another church and kind of a little church split. Not really a split because not that many went with them, but a handful of people, key people. I mean, and they started another church in the town. And, you know, it's like we just poured our life into these people. We, we gave them time. We gave them position. We gave them leadership. We trusted them. And, you know, it went against everything we'd learned, you know, about, you know, if you're going to church, you don't even think about starting another church in the same town. And I mean, Jesus would have to appear to you and he'd have to confirm it before scriptures or something, you know, because that's just uh, unethical. It's unethical in our, gro our growing up to do that. Um, but <clears throat> um, we decided just play it cool, let the Lord deal with it. And the Lord shared with me recently, he said, and I got a close here, Bruce, and the Lord shared with me, he said, um, one of the reasons, son, that Faith Heights Church is still here after 33 years, and the reason you're still here is because you purposed to not knowingly violate love when that couple did that. You know, violating love opens the door to the devil. Not that you can't kick him out, but how about we just better to keep him out than to have to kick him out, right? Yeah. And and he, he, he started showing me, and, and I'm, it's kind of sad, that couple's not married today, and um, last I heard, they're, they're not doing you know, the best, and, um, and I thought, Lord, I, I pray that they're healed. I just pray that whatever they need. And the Lord said, son, one of the reasons you are still here, and you are still strong, you are going on, is because you listened to some teaching on love, and you put it into practice when he didn't feel like it. And that, that was, those are two testimonies that I saw that we have seen great blessing. Because to us, if you'd known what we've been through in the last 30-some years, you'd be going, wow, we're still here, huh? And all the people who had left are all still in our church today. All the people that left with that bunch are still in our church today. They came back. They came back to our church. Still here. Still here. Probably some of them in this room. Um, so let me just read you a couple things and then we'll, we'll close. I was going to get into um, love won't let you down because that's a revelation. But let me just read you a couple things and I'll dismiss you in just a minute. Is that okay, guys? Okay. So let me read you this. Um, <clears throat> we have to go beyond. When we're talking about God loves us now, okay, we we're just talking about us loving others. But let me, let me just, in closing, talk a little bit more about our God's love for us. When we're thinking about God loves you, you don't know that like you could know it. I'm not saying we don't know it at all, but the Bible says no man knows anything like he ought to know it. And so when we're talking about God loves you, we have to go beyond, quote, 
God loves me no matter what happens to me. End quote. We got to go from God loves me no matter what happens to me. We got to go from that to this. God loves me so much that he keeps me from all evil. And I, I think a lot of people think, well, God loves me no matter what happens. And they don't even believe for protection. They don't even believe for deliverance. They just believe that he loves them no matter what hell they go through. And he does. But what if we stepped up and said, you know what? I don't just believe God loves me no matter what happens. I believe he loves me enough to keep a bunch of bad stuff from happening to me. You know, you grow when you're knowing of how much he loves you. Praise God he loves us no matter what happens. Go to the next level. Go to Psalm 91, 15, the last part of that verse. Not only is he with me in trouble, he delivers me and protects me from the trouble. And it all, it's all levels of love, levels of how much you believe the Lord loves you. Well, I believe the Lord loves me no matter what happens. Great, but don't stop there. How about believe the Lord loves you so much he keeps bad things from happening to you a lot of times? I mean, I know there's some things, you know, you, they're going to try to come against us, but there's unnecessary adversity and we shouldn't have to go through that. And the more we believe God loves us, the more we don't have to go through a lot of that junk. Um, here, here's something I wanted to say to you. You can know God loves you and still be worried. But you can't believe God loves you and still be worried. The Bible talks about knowing and believing the love that God has for you. You can know God loves you and still be worried, but you can't believe he loves you and still be worried. So I encourage you, trust in the love of God. Don't just know that he loves you. Trust in that love when you're tempted to freak out. And if you have to just say it out of your mouth, God, I believe you love me. I'm leaning on your love. I'm getting through this turbulence. I'm getting through it. I'm getting through it. I'm getting through it. I'm getting through it. See, if you know the Lord loves you, you may, you may still be worried when something happens. But if you believe God loves you, there's no room for worry because worrying and faith can't occupy the same space at the same time. Knowing God loves you is one thing, but not being wor worried when turbulence hits is another. I like to say this. I believe you love me so much, Father, that the scriptures I'm standing on have to come to pass. God, I believe you love me so much that the scriptures I'm standing on for healing have to come to pass. Thank you, Jesus. Gives you a boldness. Worry is a choice to believe something is greater than God's love for you. And the devil's constantly trying to tell us this is greater than God's love for you. He really doesn't care. He's busy with his other kids. He's... No, no. Worries. Everybody say worry is a choice. You know why it's a choice? Because you're made in the image and likeness of God. You don't have to accept anything that comes your way just because it comes your way. Feelings, pressure, whatever. Worry is a choice. I'm glad worry is a choice. That tells me that I don't have to give it place because I'm in charge of my choices. Worry is a choice to believe something's greater than God's love for you. So don't yield to worry. Just say, ah, shut up, devil. You're not going to get me to doubt God's love. It would be better to go to sleep trusting in God's love to work things out than to stay up half the night praying and worrying. Because well, if you're praying in worry, it's not going to do much good anyway. Because prayer don't work unless you're in faith. Aren't you glad you can feel worried but not be worried? What you be is way bigger than what you feel. Worry is a choice. Joy is a choice. 
So how many people, listen to this, how many people have lost battles because they chose to worry over believing in the love of God? Well, God just didn't deliver me that time. No, 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 no. Maybe you chose worry instead of believing in the love of God. And I want to say that because when Jesus said, don't worry about anything, you know, don't worry about your life, don't worry about what you eat, don't worry about what you drink. When he said, don't worry, he wasn't saying, don't worry, everything's going to be all right. He was saying, don't worry so that everything can be all right. Because if you're in worry, you're not in faith. Jesus, he just, he was saying to listen, don't worry. Why? Because God wants to help you, wants to take care of you. He wasn't saying, oh, don't worry. Everything will be all right. No, he was saying, I'm telling you, don't worry so that everything will be all right. Yeah. Oh, we just read something in Psalms a couple days ago. I can't remember the exact, the way it was said, but it said something about fretting uh, produced evil in their life. Uh, fretting opened the door to bad. David says something in one of the Psalms. Very powerful. So just a couple more. Don't leave yet, please. So choosing, excuse me. Let's see. It'd be better to see how many. Okay. Choosing to stay in worry is man turning away from God's help, not God saying no to their prayer. Did God not come through or did people stop believing in his love? And it, you know, it, it takes abnormal attitude <laughs> to believe in God's love when everything around you says you better be worried. You better be worried about this thing. Um, I think that's probably all we have time for tonight. We'll, we'll, we'll talk some more about this as the Lord leads, but um, I hope that helped you guys. That was a little bit backwards, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about God loves us, but I also wanted to talk a little bit about not violating love toward other people so that our faith works really, really good next time we need it. In the time we're living in right now, if you watch too much news, you will violate love. You will get sucked in to their negative attitude and you will start violating love and, the, and I see the whole trick of the devil. There's some bad things prophesied are going to happen on this planet in the last days. Perilous times. Evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Tribulation. Uh, an hour of tribulation that's coming upon the whole world. I mean, there's bad things prophesied in the last days that are going to happen on the earth. Now, if you're a believer and surrendered to God, you can be shielded from that junk. But here's the thing. <clears throat> the devil knows that there's some things he's going to be able to get away with in the end times to hurt people. And I see Satan doing his best to get the church to violate love so they're not ready for his end time attacks. Their faith won't work because faith works by love. And Satan's trying to, to get the church in a position where their faith's not working so when he turns up the power of his attacks, they won't have a defense for it because of violations of love. And so I, I pray that people are aware of a violation of love anytime they violate love so they can get it right immediately. And if you think, well, maybe I violated love, Pastor. Maybe I violated love. I don't know if I remember. Just say, Lord, can I just do a blanket prayer of forgiveness here? Any violations of love that I've ever committed, I get it under the blood. Forgive me. Quicken me to be aware of future violations of love so I can avoid them. He'll forgive you of all the past. 
help you with the future. And don't worry about a thing. Everything's going to be all right. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're just so thankful that love is the answer. You are love. And Father God, as we move forward from this meeting tonight, we're asking that the Holy Spirit would quicken us on the inside before we violate love, that we might stand strong, that we might yield to your love instead of violate love. And Lord, for any violations of love in the past, we repent. We, we, we admit it, Lord. We haven't been perfect. We admit it. Thank you for the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. Thank you. We're not even going to think about or worry about those past things anymore. We're going to go from this prayer forward in the full blessings of God because we're going to walk in love and we're going to believe God and our faith's going to work right. And we thank you, Father, that you are with us forever, whether we feel like it or not. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.